This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR, brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. I'm John Purcell with you until roughly 9.30 this morning. Well, if you've just woken up this Saturday morning and you're feeling a little bit different and can't figure out why, maybe it's because Brexit finally took place at midnight last night, Brussels time, 11 o'clock in the UK and Ireland. Yes, Britain have left the EU and ended their over 40 years of membership, and we now enter a transition period. I'm sure we'll have plenty more on the changes it will bring in the coming weeks, months, and maybe even years. This week's show, we're talking all things politics a bit closer to home. Don't switch off yet, though, as we'll be talking to those who are in business or represent local businesses in Carlow and Kilkenny and people with a unique perspective. With one week to go, we want to hear about the real issues that businesses are facing and what they will want to see from a new government. We'll also talk to Imerny Vrainon to hear the immediate reaction from the general election 20. KCLR live debate that took place in IT Carlow on Thursday morning last. And later in the programme, we'll be looking as to why pensions have become such a hot topic in this general election and finding out from a pensions expert what's behind it. Well, on Thursday last, KCLR Live's Emer Neve hosted the KCLR Live general election 20 debate live from IT Carlow. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. Emery Vrainon from our own KCLR Live programme. There are a few people across Carlo Kilkenny, like yourself, who've talked to all the candidates, who've interacted with them and indeed interviewed them. You know the political campaign uh, intimately. During the week, uh, you hosted an election debate featuring 12 out of the 14 candidates. What's your take on what the candidates are saying about business and the economy here in Carlo Kilkenny? Business came up today, John, and probably um, the biggest business issue that we've had uh, between the debate and also interactions in the run-up during the campaign. Insurance is huge. Um, The fact that the premiums have gone up so much um, the future of certain small businesses particularly. So we saw in the leisure uh, sector where uh, people have inflatables for hire, um, you know, for communions, for parties, that kind of thing. We saw Kiddies Kingdom was a very good business in Bagnestown. Um, they said that they were forced to close because of insurance hikes as well. Insurance is huge for all businesses. Childcare facilities are the latest ones to experience it. We're hearing nursing homes actually as well. Uh, so uh, they have a preoccupation with that. Um, it was interesting um, to hear during the debate as well um, the the whole issue of um, who represents you. So we have uh, at the moment one sitting TD, for instance, um, who is living in Carlow and representing Carlow Kilkenny and we have four who are living in Kilkenny. So that issue arose and the Kilkenny-based candidates completely rejected that they don't represent uh, the Carlow part of the constituency. Uh, so there was a bit of a ding-dong between the candidates and the Chamber of Commerce uh, locally on that, the Carlow Chamber and the Kilkenny com- uh, and the Kilkenny candidates, let's say. Um, issues that didn't come up during the debate, but I'm sure you'll be hearing about them on your show and you probably do 
commuting, trains are huge. The fact that a lot of business people cannot use public transport. If you're living in Kilkenny or Carlow, you have to get to Dublin to be at your desk for nine o'clock in the morning. You're extremely limited. If you're travelling at those peak times, it's horrific on the trains. Um, now, Barry Kenny often speaks to us in KCLR. He's the Irish Rail spokesperson and he says that the extra carriages are coming. They've been ordered, that it takes time, but the infrastructure is under so much pressure. By the time they come, they're already full. Uh, so commuting is an issue. The issue of the self-employed came up as well. Um, so we mentioned insurance, but self-employed is in people in the arts. Um, a lot of concerns as well. How many people in Carlo Kilkenny work in the hospitality sphere? So if you look around, particularly Kilkenny City, a lot of it is um, bars, restaurants, hotels. A lot of their staff are on minimum wage. Uh, so those issues would come up. Brexit wasn't mentioned by any of the candidates during our live debate or our audience. So it's simply as an issue. We've talked about it so much. It's still obviously in the international headlines. We saw this week what happened at the European Parliament. But on the ground locally, it's not a massive issue. Pensions uh, we'll be discussing later in, in the programme. Um, that came up and, and uh, it appeared to me at the debate that the tendency was towards not making people retire and, and maybe rowing back towards 65. Is that a fair representation of what the candidates were saying? I think so. And just being straight about how I view the candidates whenever I talk to them on this these issues, I think anything that concerns... Um, people over 65 and not to be disrespectful but they have been referred to in the media as say the grey voters or the grey army they are the people, the older people in our society are the people who get out and vote and they make their voices heard candidates are always very nervous of any issues, they underestimated the impact of that, of forcing somebody who's worked all their lives to join a dole queue um, and even if they introduce this transitional payment, um, it's still not ideal, um, so I would imagine any party that forms the next government they're going to have to look at that issue or they'll be reminded of it very swiftly I'd imagine And I think one of the, one of the candidates on stage during your debate referred to like well we do have to be mindful of the cost which would be uh, 200 million per year at current estimates of reducing the thing. In your um, experience with candidates um, are they conscious of costs or is it more just seeking the votes of popularity, auction politics as people would call it? There's an awful lot of that, all right, and um, particularly when you deal with the local candidates, um, the front bench spokespersons for the parties um, are better briefed on the manifesto, on the costings. But uh, for people who are running um, as uh, as candidates for Carlo Kilkenny, not all of them, but most of them would be quite scant on detail. What I heard during that debate, um, and in some senses, maybe it's no harm because you get a sense of the person as well, but they referred to what they were comfortable talking about. So a lot of the time when we were trying to ask them about policy, they were unaware, actually, some of them of their party's policies. Some of them, maybe their parties haven't formed a policy on certain issues. So they reverted to talking about themselves and what their own views and opinions are. That's all very well and good. But when they get into that system, and for instance that they have to bat for business or they're under pressure to increase the minimum wage or or not to maybe in 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 some instances um what are they going to be able to do for us um i would say the level of detail that they have on these issues when you dig down is actually very little it's a very it's it's quite superficial 
the whole issue of education did come up, and in particular the Technological University of the Southeast. The debate was held in IT Carlo. It's an issue that seems to be becalmed, nothing much helping. Nobody seemed to have any big solutions about driving this issue forward, and it's very important to business. Yeah, one thing that um, I learned before the debate when I started to look at some of the issues the chronic underfunding of third-level institutes. I was unaware um, until recent days, really, at, at the exact the extent of it, because when you drive by IT Carlow on the Kilkenny Road, the facilities look fantastic. But what I didn't realise is a lot of that actually doesn't come from the state. So a lot of it comes from um, the college itself coming up with revenue streams, for instance, bringing in students from abroad. We have a lot of students from China who are studying here. Um, the sports facilities are out of this world but for the past over a decade now, um, the funding for third level institutions is way down and it's way down on our European counterparts. They also are one of the biggest employers in Carlow Kilkenny. I believe the biggest employer in Carlow anyway. Thousands of people come to work here every morning. So they're a really important part um, of the constituency. And I think that candidates, you know, whoever is elected, I'm sure IT Carlow will want to sit down with them and talk to them about third level education. Um, and how to prioritise funding because we have to do that. That's the type of money that comes back into the economy. We also heard from Olga Barry, who's the director of the Kilkenny Arts Festival, and a lot of people in the arts are self-employed, and she would have been very critical of government policy and of how um, gov- successive governments across different parties have been chipping away at the arts. You know, it's seen as a luxury. Uh, but when you do the maths, and we know in Kilkenny, from all of the various festivals and events. In terms of the economy, you cannot you cannot argue with how much comes back from the arts. So these are just areas um, that on a on a spreadsheet maybe it might be an easy an easy thing to do to cut back a few million. You think there's plenty of money in third level education, you think there's plenty of money in arts. But these decisions have huge consequences. And I think it might be no harm for the candidates to really to really scrutinise um, Carlo Kilkenny and what Carlo Kilkenny needs and to act accordingly. Um, from your position presenting KCLR Live uh, between 10 and 12 every weekday on KCLR, as well as all the politicians, you meet scores and scores of businesses. What's your perspective on how politics is held in, in the view of, of people who are trying to run businesses and maintain and develop employment? Um, I've seen a number of business people in the audience, actually. For instance, family businesses like Dooley Motors, um, and they've been in business in Carlo for years, and there's lots of stories like that. Um, and I, I wouldn't like to attribute an opinion to any particular business, but just in a general sense, I think businesses feel um, that they're constantly putting their hands in their pockets, that they're the ones um, that are trying to keep things going, but that the smaller SMEs th- that combined that employ probably more people than any of the multinationals um, in, in this particular area, that they feel, you know, they don't really get sufficient supports um, that also that maybe there's not enough done to keep our town centres vibrant that's a huge issue it's a huge issue in Kilkenny City it's a huge issue in Carlow Town I think with the exception of one or two areas uh, for instance we were in Tullow recently on a broadcast and we couldn't get over how many businesses in Tullow are actually thriving and a lot of that 
Um, now, I know some people on the ground might say, no, that's not the case. It's still very tough out there. But if you're to be clinical about looking around and seeing how many vacant units there are and how much traffic there was in Tullow and, and people coming into the town and spending, you go down through the main streets, Tullow Street and Carlow Town, and at times it, it is so quiet there. And you have the same thing on High Street in Kilkenny at times. Um, so you'd have to question, and this is just an opinion, I think that very little was done in terms of um, interfering maybe with planning in Tullow so that the town centre is very traditional. You can still, um, in a lot of cases, park very close to the shop and go in and do your bit. So it's encouraging people. And there is some development on the outskirts, but yet it's close enough that a lot of people could walk from those retail parks into the town centre. Whereas on the other hand, in Kilkenny, you have the ring roads. They're you're not going to walk, most people won't walk from the ring road where the retail parks are onto the high street. And the same in Carlo, um, perhaps a bit closer, um, the, the shopping centre to the town centre. But still we have those issues. So it's really interesting when you start to look at planning issues and maybe how they impact on the future of our town centres. And it's really huge and it does have, have a real effect. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie With over 5,000 businesses across Carlock Kilkenny, the business perspective is a very relevant angle in the discussions in the general election 2020. With me to discuss the business perspective on general election 2020 are two men who represent the Chambers in Kilkenny and Carlow, the Chambers of Commerce. That's Brian O'Farrell from Carlow Chamber and John Hurley from Kilkenny Chamber. Starting with you, Brian O'Farrell, we're here in Carlow IT today. What are the main issues uh, that concern business in the run into general election 2020? There's a number of issues and I think a lot of the time what the businesses want is to ensure that they're getting their fair share of everything uh, but affecting businesses at the moment is skills. Um, It's attracting the skills and ensuring that when they can attract the right skills and uh, the right skill sets that they can uh, cater for them. Um, Are you hearing those issues being addressed in the election campaign to date by any of the candidates? uh, They're covering their just basically touching on them but they're not actually going to say they're doing much about it in one way they're saying yes we do need to put funding into our third level institutions but they're not putting any facts or weight behind it yes they're saying we need to do some more about housing so that when we can attract the skilled workers we've got somewhere for them to stay but again we're lacking uh, substance behind the promises that are being made Um, john hurley uh, what what are your thoughts yeah, it seems to be very much uh, an auction politics type of election where uh, the candidates are giving us all what they think we want to hear in the, anyway. Um, yes, we'd have concerns from a business perspective in terms of what's in it for businesses. Businesses are struggling, uh, and in particular down in the southeast, which is where Carlow and Kilkenny are. Um, we're very busy uh, trying to engage with businesses and engage with the decision makers to enable um, more to actually happen for Kilkenny and Carlow. Um, for example, um, the Technical University for the Southeast. Brian just mentioned there the need for skills. Um, we do need to attract big businesses that will employ people with skills and those types of businesses want to be able to engage with a local institution of third level 
international standards uh, and we have the potential in the region to get that together between our IT in Carlo and IT in Waterford uh, but it's at stalemate you know we, we've been waiting for so long we need that sorted pretty soon. Um, John Hurley says stalemate it does seem to be kind of stuck in the mud at the moment would you be optimistic Brian uh, based on what you're hearing that we'll see progress over the next five years? Uh, I would definitely hope so. Um, you know, I think the stage is at it. It just needs to really kind of step through and then it does need government and it does need people to get behind it and to put those supports. Uh, funding is a key aspect to it there as well to make sure that it can drive forward. Uh, but we do need to see that happen. Um, you know, and it's so important to the region because when you look at across the Carrickle Kenny, I suppose the two prime areas, a lot of the businesses we have here, they're local indigenous, they're homegrown businesses. Yes, we've attracted uh, FDI business and we've attracted some larger companies as well, but the majority of our businesses have come from locally and those skills have developed and grown locally, so we need to be able to support them on a continuous basis. From what I've heard, Carlo and Kilkenny Chambers speak with one voice in relation to the importance of regional issues, but a very much a feeling in Carlo business circles that um, there's a lack of pro- proportionality when it comes to the doll in how uh, Carlo is represented across the five-seat constituency. Yeah, um, you look at Carlo Kilkenny, 56,000 for Carlo, 99,000 Kilkenny population. Um, fair share would say that we should have at least two TDs representing Carlo from Carlo in the Dáil. Um, and a fair share comes down to a lot of it. Because of what we have seen as uh, not a, a sufficient representation, Carlo has had the third highest level of rates in the country. We've been way behind when it comes to subvention funding, which forced then the council to look at other sources to get funding to even provide the most basic of services. And we haven't had that. We need a louder voice. We need something that's going to help to ensure that Carlo and Kenny continue to get their fair share of opportunities, of funding, of investments and representation you know and it's going to become even more important now with the continuous growth of uh, Waterford under the 2040 plan and the whole southeast region because in the southeast region we're competing against Waterford Cork and Limerick as the three main cities so it needs to be focused a bit more John um would that be a concern in Carl or in Kilkenny chamber circles in relation to you know if it was 3-2 would that diminish the uh, representation of Kilkenny or do you think we need a different way of looking at politics well certainly politics has a role to play I mean uh, it's through the political system that decisions are made in terms of how um, available monies are invested um, and uh, we being you know uh, part of rural Ireland uh, as in not Dublin uh, the southeast needs to shout for its fair share and infrastructure investment in infrastructure becomes a huge part of that conversation and in that I'm talking about broadband I'm talking about roads I'm talking about rail connections uh, and with all of the conversation on climate uh, change for example and the move away from private car ownership and more into utilising uh, public transport the systems just simply aren't there the the rail um, connectivity to the southeast b- with Dublin is absolutely hopeless you can't get to or from do- your, your work on time using public transport and those kind of things need to be addressed and addressed urgently um, Brian, business costs a big uh, part of the concerns of Chambers Ireland in relation to the uh, election, uh, are those being addressed or are you confident that they will be addressed and what specifically are you looking to be done in relation to business costs? I think we need to see a lot of work um, and we're looking at the costs across a broad spectrum of things. You know, businesses have contributed heavily through the commercial rates and it's 
um, I suppose you could call it a necessary evil. It's important that we pay our fair share of taxes to ensure that the economy works. And businesses, no business is um, against paying their fair share, and that's what they do want to pay. Where we're having big problems at the moment, and everybody's talking about it in particular, is insurance. We're seeing that continuously rising, and there's nothing being done about it. There's talk about it, and even last week, I raised a matter of insurance with some of our MEPs because I was saying, you know, there's nothing been done enough about this in Ireland. We need to be seeing more how this could be dealt with even at European level, potentially. Um, and getting uh, a kind of a broader base across European countries, if that's possible. But we need to look at new solutions to try and fix the problems because the continuing growth in costs of insurance is breaking businesses, is shutting businesses. John, um, you've come from an insurance background. What's your take on it? Are you given any comfort by the political promises and, and talk around the whole issue of insurance and how it impacts on business? No, that's a very good question and it's a question that needs to be levied at the government really. You know, they have formed this uh, cost of insurance working group uh, which has had um, meetings and produced reports and recommendations and even suggested legislative changes and this has been ongoing for years literally but still at the end of the day where businesses are facing increased cost of insurance, which is directly linked into what insurance companies have to pay in by way of compensation when accidents occur. And that is all driven very much by the judiciary and the, ju- the legal system that we have. It's not working, it's not right, and it's not being addressed. We need change and we need change in that space right now. Uh, Brian, with a week to go to polling day, what's your message to the candidates uh, in Carlock Kilkenny? I suppose one of the key messages we want to say is that we want to ensure that there's fair representation across the constituency. Um, you know, it's not good enough to be just uh, paying lip service to a lot of the issues. We need to see actual things happening to help and move things forward. You know, you talk to the candidates and you say, how many of them have travelled by train from Carlo Kilkenny to Dublin recently, especially at peak times or up to the Dáil? Have they ever done it? You know, it'd be interesting to see how connected are they with the issues uh, businesses are the backbone of the economy in Kilkenny and Carlow um, so candidates really need to be engaging with them understand what their issues are uh, it, and every business is full of people so you know the businesses are actually going to vote them in or vote them out um, and a lot of people um, run their own businesses or they have great pride and a great need for their jobs um, so really the business piece needs to be maintained and um, focused on by, by all candidates There you heard it, that was uh, John Hurley, Chief Executive of Kilkenny Chamber and Brian O'Farrell, Chief Executive of Carlow Chamber, together the business voice of over 5,000 businesses across Carlow Kilkenny telling us about what their priorities are one week from polling day The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. Now, one of the big issues that emerged early on in the election campaign in general election 2020 has been the whole issue of pensions. And it's an issue that hasn't been a flash in the pan, but which has lasted throughout the uh, campaign. I'm joined by Ed Kassan, who's a pension specialist with O'Neill Foley in Kilkenny. I thought it'd be useful to get the perspective of a pension professional on all the political talk and all the discussion that's going on about pension age, reducing pension age and all that. Ed, what's your perspective on the debate that's raged throughout the campaign for election 2020? Uh, Good morning, John. Um, 
I suppose I would be uh, quite uh, concerned uh, that we would try and slow down the inevitable uh, process of needing to look at increasing retirement age over the next uh, number of years. Um, If there was a a continuation of the current retirement age, it's our children and grandchildren who are going to suffer, not necessarily those in their 60s, 70s and 80s today. Uh, The country literally cannot afford to uh, contribute uh, state pensions in the same manner as we've been used to over the last number of decades. Tell me, why was the current age of, say, mid-60s? Where did that kind of benchmark come out of? Well, the, the modern pension system is uh, not that old. It's about 120, 130 years old, uh, created by the Germans around 1890. Uh, 65, roughly, was the age uh, chosen to retire uh, because, in reality, very, very few people got to age 65 back then. And that has become basically the norm. It is very much an arbitrary figure, and it's a figure that needs to be uh, considered to be changed over time. And that's what the Irish government have been doing whether people agree or not, but there is a method to increasing the retirement age anyway. And at the moment, it can be quite confusing. 65 is stuck in the popular imagination, but the reality, as I understand it, is that if, uh, the, in relation to the state pension, the current age is 67 if you're born before 1961, and after that, it's 68. What, what's the trend and where may it uh, end up if the logic of the demographics is followed? Where it could end up, and if we were not um, uh, delaying implementing change, positive change, uh, the age of retirement would be expected to go to 70. Uh, And indeed, as the century progresses into the the late 21st century, it could be up as high as 75. But there's a whole debate needed about all that because it's not just a case of picking a figure and saying, oh, everybody waits till then. There are certain things that could be looked at. And this presents, I believe, and this this, uh, political election campaign presents a very good opportunity to start a debate which I think is going to rage for the next 10 years in Ireland about all this because we have a growing older population and we have a lot of youngsters coming along who will need to be looking after themselves in the long run but also conscious of the fact that that they want to look after their elderly um, uh, neighbours and family etc. Um, It's a very complex uh, issue and there are a number of different points of view to it. What kind of flexible um, solutions uh, or innovations can you think of that may help square the circle, so to speak? Some people who want to retire early, others who don't, but the uh, undeniable need to to provide for people in their older years. Well, absolutely. I I think that that, uh, there's merit in uh, the government uh, uh, considering rewarding people in terms of a higher state pension if, for example, they chose to retire at 70. Um, And that is not necessarily that they would get €248 a week. It might be just, say, 265 These things have to be costed, obviously. But another uh, very uh, good idea, I believe, is for employers uh, and employees to start thinking about 
about gliding towards retirement, for example, at 64 to go to a four day week and maybe at 66 to go to a three day week, 67, uh, two day week. Uh, and you, you glide towards retirement. You hopefully have some form of pension arrangement yourself, but then the state pension is, is there perhaps enhanced if you have waited those few extra years. And there's a lot of benefits for both the, the individual, but also I would suggest for the employment or the employers of Ireland where you're not having a cliff edge approach to retirement and people hit 66 or 67 or 68 in my case and, and, and you walk out the door. Uh, the big issue at the moment is this idea that you, you, you retire at 65 or 66 and you have to go on job seekers. Uh, it's this transition period seems to be the, the where the battle is, is being fought at the moment and I believe there, there's lots of consultations going to happen here but this, this, this gives a great opportunity to debate all this. And currently it seems to me that there's a kind of one size fits all approach. Uh, is that an accurate understanding of public policy at the moment? Yeah, one size fits all. And on, as we all know, that doesn't work. Um, this is where we have to take consideration of uh, uh, people's individual circumstances. Some people definitely will feel, especially if they've had a, a particularly heavy manual role in their working lives, they might feel it's time to, to, to take um, retirement. Others might feel that they don't need to take retirement yet. And we're just not flexible enough. We're not agile enough um, to... Um, to maybe cater for all different needs in that regard. Uh, one other thing as well, I suppose, that is, is, is very, very worth considering is we do need to grasp the nettle and start looking after ourselves bigger in, in greater numbers than we have historically in terms of our own pensions. Uh, roughly about 95 to 98% of all Australians have a pension where they're forced into a pension. It's compulsory. You don't meet many people in Australia who are unhappy with that. The Australians have future-proofed their state pension problem if, to a certain extent. In Ireland, we've only 48 to 50% coverage. Uh, this needs to be addressed, and it's been kicked down the road a number of times. The, the, basically, what you're talking about here is, when it all comes to all, it's a fancy savings account, uh, whether you want to take risk or low risk with your investment, but you get tax breaks. But again, this whole debate needs to be fleshed out and basically multi-stranded approach towards private pension provision, state pension provision being more flexible and increasing retirement ages and a glide path towards retirement. I think then over a period of three or four or five years uh, that the election is not the driver. It's basically we sit down as a nation and we say, right, this is where we're going for the next 50, 60, 70 years. And currently and finally, um, politicians were in the final week of the campaign. What kind of questions do you think people should be asking uh, politicians about their uh, policies on pensions and particularly businesses? What should they be asking politicians? Well, I would ask anybody who suggests that we can stay as we are, uh, how are we going to fund the state pension uh, uh, provisions in 30 years time. Many of our uh, elected representatives and ourselves, I suppose, won't be around in 30, 40 years time. It's not us who's really going to be affected. It's our children and grandchildren. So I'd be asking, how are they going to afford it? Uh, or how is the Irish state going to afford it? Um, can we stop kicking the, the can down the road? And can we get some commitment towards a, a proper review? Pensions expert Ed Cassan there talking to me about 
his perspective on the issue of pensions and in particular some of the talk around pensions in the general election 2020. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website onf.ie shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. We'll be back next Saturday just after 9am. And don't forget, you can listen back to this episode or indeed any episode of The Bottom Line on our KCLR Bottom Line podcast, which is available across a range of platforms. All you need to do is just search for Bottom Line KCLR. Thanks to all our guests this week on the programme. Brian O'Farrell, CEO of Carlow Chamber of Commerce. John Hurley, CEO of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. Ed Cassan of O'Neill Foley. And of course, to our own, Emer on. If you'd like to contact the programme, you can email us at thebottomline at kclaw96fm.com. Thanks to John Keane on sound editing and Deirdre Drummy who produced. Until we speak again, enjoy the weekend and have a good week. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.onf.ie